guess we're going to skip kids' message today just because I'm sure everybody's starting to smell the ham and scalloped potatoes who just want to eat and they don't want to listen to me, but you're going to have to listen to me. That's part of what, what it is, church. got to listen to the pastor ramble on. This is going to be a little bit different today for as far as messages go. You guys know how I normally do it. I do a scripture, we pray, and then I kind of pick apart that scripture and we bring it to a conclusion and some thoughts. Today I want to spend some time in what I'm calling this message is how we are revisited. If you remember, if you've been here since we opened up, the first month or so that we were open, I went through a series called How We Are. And it was basically talking about how Summit Church is going to exist. And we're going to revisit that today. We're going to talk about it more. And I want to give you guys some stats really quick because today really is a central focus of Jesus, what he's done the last year, and what he's done in Summit Church. And I want to show, share with you guys some of the different statistics that happen with the new church plan. And I'm taking these from memory, so uh, help bear with me for a minute. Church planting is a dog-eat-dog world. It's a challenge. You come in, you open your church, you don't know what to expect, then you have all of the different things that happen to help people fall into place, they decide to stay, they decide not to stay, all that kind of stuff. One year is a big hurdle for a, for a, uh, for a church plant. Here's some of the stats on the first, or, or a couple of stats on the first year of existence for a church. Let's start with attendance. The typical church plant sees a 50% attrition in their first year of existence. 50% of what you started with on your first Sunday will not be there after one year. I think that's pretty close to what we've seen. I think we kind of line up with that. They say within about four years after that, you will see about a 15% increase. I think we're going to see more than that myself. Because God's doing some stuff in our church. Next stat. I forget the percentage, but it's unacceptably high. I forget if it was 80% closed or 15% closed. Either way is non-existent. But after the two-year mark, those church plants cease to exist. Either 85 or 15%. So I apologize, but there's too many. Not all of them make it in two years is a mark where it's either yay or nay. One of the indicators that show whether a church is going to exist or not, and it goes further, is that within five years they should be self-sustaining financially and spiritually. We're there. We are there on that. We have indicators for us at Summit Church that show that our church is doing fairly decent, even though some days it kind of hurts when I see you know, lower attendance or whatever, and those are ego things. But what I came to the conclusion of as I was thinking about this message and as I've gone through the last few months um, is that the devil's not going to close or crush something that God's got his hand in. And God has ordained this time and this season for Summit Church to exist in Big Mighty Marlton. And as long as we continue to follow him, as long as we continue to work the way he asks us to, we're going to be here tomorrow. We're going to be here the next day and the day after that. And I thought about it. You guys have seen me talk a lot about plants lately. I haven't even started my message yet. I apologize. You guys are talking to me talk about plants, not church plants, but like physical plants, you know. So we've got to turn the page a little bit here. 
you have a plant come up and it's like very delicate and it's easily harmed until it gets strong, gets a good root system, and then you transplant too and some of it dies off and things like that, you know how it goes when it comes to gardening. That's kind of how it is with the church plant too, is you, you spring up and some stuff has to come off, um, you know, it, it's vulnerable. And there can be attacks on it, and there can be harshness on it. And if you have a couple of leaves left at the end of it, as the root structure begins to take root, then you're going to come in to be something. And I think that's how it is with us. Is we're going to see increase. We're going to see some of our other ministries that we want to have open and start exist. It's all going to happen. But it's just slower than I want. I'm an impatient guy. Ask, ask Joram this morning what it was like. Because I came up to church first because we're doing the dinner thing and I wanted to get back up, get up here early. And Joram was ready. I said, Joram, you're almost ready. Why don't you come with me? That means when I, as soon as I get done saying me, he should be in the car sitting in the, in the chair. That's my expectation. And he's got to put his socks on. He's got to put his shoes on. He's got to find his coat. You know, not out of line. I mean, I think he takes about 10 times longer than I expect. But I'm just like that. I'm impatient. So when it comes to church planning, sometimes patience is the key, and that's probably one of my weak spots. But it's going to happen. And so as we are one year in, I want to talk about how we are. Now, why does a church exist? You know, and this is something I had to do when we started modeling and how we were going to do ministry here. Why does a church exist? What is what is the chief end and purpose of a church? You know, we can talk about how it's, different things to come together to worship and stuff. We're going to get to that. But at the core of it all, the existence of a church body, of a congregation, I think its sole purpose of existing is to glorify God. And Tim's going to pull up a slide. Did you find it? Thank you. Sorry, I have a slide to go along with it because it's pretty cool, I think. It's to glorify God. You next. There we go. All right, we're up and we're up and running. Okay, so now I'm gonna hold my notes, which is unusual. The core purpose of Summit Church and any church is to glorify God, like I said. First Peter 4:11. And if you want to turn your Bibles to that, that's that's good. If not, I'm gonna hit a lot of scriptures. If you want to write them down and review them later, that's good too. Like I said, this is a little different than my normal message. First Peter 4:11. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. In everything that we do as a church, our end purpose is to glorify God. Our Sunday service, when we're here, like right now, normally it's chairs, the purpose is to give Him the glory. Is it not? When we're discipling the youth group, like Kim's going to do later on tonight, and spend time with them and let them go bananas in the church and do... Sometimes I go in and like, why is the broom handle in the toilet, but the bristles are in the kitchen sink, and there's ping pong, you know, it's just like... Teenagers, you guys know how it is. They're crazy. They go bananas. But she's here to glorify God, to show them how to glorify God. Through our kids, when they come up and we do our little sermonettes and stuff like that, we're showing them God's glory. 
so that they can have a part of it. We work together as adults. When we reach out into the community, like we're going to do with our Easter egg hunt here in a few weeks, it's really to show God glory to people, how awesome He is, how amazing He is, how He's our King and our Savior, and we worship Him. And we express that by showing them our the love that He has for us and for them by doing something like that. You know, I mean, our Easter egg hunt has nothing to do with, it's not like we're going to have a baptism tank there and stuff. We're just going to have an Easter egg hunt and tell people we love them and Jesus loves them, and that'll be it. No pressure, right? I believe the biggest way we can glorify God is to do the work of reaching the lost, proselytizing, if you will, evangelizing, to disciple the believer is another way, and bring them into spiritual maturity. You know, a lot of people will get saved, and then if they don't have somebody to guide them along, or they don't have a church to guide them along, they stay little babies forever. And how many of you guys know a 35-year-old man that still drinks formula for his meals every day? How many of you guys know that? He goes and he opens up his lunchbox at work and he pulls out a, bu a, a bubba and he drinks his bubba. How many of you guys know guys like that? I don't know any. That would be kind of weird, right? We mature as adults and we start to eat more solid foods and foods that our body needs. And it's our job as a church, as a mature believer, to help a young believer get to that point, right? Wean them off of the milk. Get them into solid food, right? Strengthen them. Another way that we glorify God is to provide a place to corporately worship, for people to corporately worship and practice and practice the God-ordained ordinances. Communion, baptism, worshiping God, learning about God. Those are ways we can glorify Him. Reaching the lost, discipling the believer, bringing them into maturity, and being a place where we can come together and we can worship Him the way He you guys with me? All right, you're quiet. So for Summit Church to be successful in glorifying God and functioning the way He wants His church to, it takes everyone that calls Summit Church to be involved, to be engaged in some sort of ministry. This, is, this isn't my pitch. But I ask you guys to pray about what God would show you and where He would show you to be involved in ministry in your local church. You know, some people listen to us online. They need to also pray about where they can get involved in ministry. Can you get involved in ministry in your local church by teaching people? Maybe that's what you're supposed to do. That's an awesome way to do it. Maybe your job is to do hospitality. You know, maybe you're feeling called that you should be the one that brings the coffee cake on Sunday. Right? How many of you guys had coffee cake this morning? Right? And enjoyed it. Right? Somebody made it. It was a ministry. How about maintenance? You know, I was told when I was going into ministry that if I was unwilling to unclog a toilet in the church, I had no business being a pastor. It's true, right? 
Now, I've been around pastors that are like, hey, you can get my hands dirty doing that. That's a bone. I'm sorry. Let me tell you guys about December here. All right? The scary bathroom, that's just for my boys. I leave the water trickling. You know, like we're supposed to up here. Somebody kept turning it off, thinking they were saving the church water. We don't have meters. I don't know who it was. I keep looking at Elijah. He's like, why are you looking at me? Somebody turned the water off. Youth group or something like that. Kept doing it. Well, they'd turn it off. I'd turn it on. They'd turn it off. I'd turn it on. And basically what we ended up doing was plugging the pipe with ice. So here's your pastor. Was it before New Year's or Christmas? It was Christmas, huh? Christmas Eve service. All right. We know we're going to have a lot of people inside the church. Somebody's going to need to go potty. Right? So I'm trying to get the toilet fixed. Pastor, hands and knees, elbows deep and everything delicious. I drop the, I, I clean it out with the shop back to kind of clear some of it to try to get it out. I'm bringing it up those stairs there. I drop that shop back down those stairs there. Delicious. Guess who got to clean that up? I cleaned some of it up. I was very, very, I repented. I did. <laughs> I shook my fist at heaven, but I repented. Kim had to help clean it up. We ended up having to have a plumber take care of it, so I just don't have the tools to fix something like that. But we should be involved in ministry somewhere, you know? I guess that's what I'm getting at. A lot of society today, and church society is what I'm saying, is a consumeristic society. What's in it for me? No. Oh, I go because I like the music. Oh, I go because I like the pastor. He's not bald like that guy up on the hill. I go to church because they serve coffee. I go to church because my friends are there. It's a consumeristic thing. I go because I get a break from my kids because they have an awesome kids ministry and I can hang out. That's not our church. And I can hang out with my friends. Do you know you guys know what I'm talking about? It's consumeristic. I'm going to go to another church because I'm not fed. I'm not, I'm not getting fed there. You guys have heard those kind of things. The problem with that is, is somebody that comes into a church as a consumeristic view is they look at the pastor and go, well, that's the pastor's job, and that's the pastor's job, and that's the pastor's going to do this, and the pastor's going to do that, and the pastor's going to do da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But I have to tell you guys, man, for a church to be successful, all believers need to be involved in ministry service somewhere because, frankly... I can't do anymore. If I did anymore, my world's going to collapse around me. You know? Um, I got kids. I got a full-time job plus this job. So we all have to be involved somewhere if we want to see the church advance. So pray that God shows you how it can advance. Now, our chief purpose at Summit Church is to glorify God. And we have a design that shows how we glorify God. And I went, this was not plagiarized, this give Go, glow, grow model that I have. This was I didn't plagiarize this. I have to let you guys know. I did a Google search yesterday to make sure it didn't come up plagiarized. And there's no other one except for the Church of God World Missions. And theirs is um, give, go, glow, grow. It's a different order than mine. So it's awesome. They use different verses. But we use the same words. But I came up with, I guess I didn't come up with, this is the way the model of Summit Church was given to me. All right. Our number one is to glow. All right, to glorify God, we glow. 
to be a beacon of grace and hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. That's our job as a church, as individuals that call this home, is to be a beacon of grace and hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. Matthew 5.14 tells us, You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Summit Church exists to glow, and we will be a place set out in our community that demonstrates the true love of Christ by welcoming all people without prejudice to come and hear the good news of Christ and how they can spend eternity with Him. You know, this is one that's, that, that has been kind of working on me lately. Glow. And we're going to be welcome to all people. And I think we are welcoming to, most, to all people, most people. But one of the things that, and, I, and I'm going to share this with you, this is God's doing something different than what I had going on. He entered, he's, he's taking over. Is I was thinking, do we glow? Do we truly glow? You know? Now, we would, I would tell anybody at the grocery store, the bank, and you guys would too, like, come to some church. You like it, right? How many of you guys would do that, right? You like it here. Right? I do that. Now, so you tell them to come. And they come in through our front doors, and we are happy. We got cake, and you know, Grace or Megan or somebody's handing out flyers. People are pretty friendly here. What about somebody that shows up that's in a electric wheelchair when they open the door? Are they welcome here? Are they? How are they going to get up the stairs? You know? So I'm going to share this one with you guys. It's just been on my heart. And we've talked about it. I've talked about it with Grace over the last few months. I've talked with, with the Colsons. I've talked with Brenda about it. What do you do to make that more friendly to everybody, including people that are handicapped? We talked about putting one of those chair thingies in the stairwell. Don't really want to do that. They're expensive. They have, they're like people really small, you know? And so I was like, that's not the right fit. Plus it crowds it. You know, what if we... Had a funeral here, and we had that chair machine here, and we were trying to get a casket down our stairs, and that thing was in the way. So we're going to put in a wheelchair ramp. We're going to put a door right there by the sound booth, because we're a church that glows, and everybody in our community and abroad is welcome inside, including handicapped people. That's something you guys are going to see happen this spring, this summer. They might not be able to get downstairs, but they're going to get up here, and with that, we're going to find a place to put in an accessible bathroom. They have a couple of ideas. So that they can use the restroom when they're here. You let them in, but if they got to use the restroom, you know. So we're going to make it friendly to all people. We glow as a church. You know, this is a very evangelistic part about us is glowing and is glowing. Telling people about Christ, the image that is portrayed to the community needs to be positive. It doesn't need to be showy, but we need to have, have something to offer and that starts by showing that we care. That's how we show we care to them. Next, we glow. Next, as a church, we grow. All right? We grow. We demonstrate our... Whoops, wrong one. We transform the life of the believer by enriching their knowledge and relationship with God. Romans 12.2 Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We're here to grow people because that glorifies God 
And when they grow, they learn how to glorify God. It's our job. We will provide help and challenge all believers to actively practice and grow in their faith so that they can have an ever-strengthened relationship with God and reach people that are lost around them. Grow. Now, when you grow into maturity, a believer grows into maturity, a church grows into maturity, what do you expect out of a physical plant that grows into maturity? Hmm? Fruit. Reproduction, right? So a mature believer should be reproducing himself, right? Or herself, or whatever. Right? We should be planting the seeds through us into other people. The church should do the same. That's why we grow. We grow into maturity. And if we don't grow into maturity as a church and as believers, and we don't produce, then something's missing. All right? My hope as we continue as a church is that we will see more and more of taking young, stale, or solid and solid believers to the next level of their faith and to the next level of their trust in the Lord. This church... My prayer will consist of solid, gospel-centered, spirit-filled teachings for all ages to aid, to aid and reproduce Christian followers. Christ followers. Sorry, I'm having a tongue twister there. I think that as we mature and we grow and we all start to find our place here, that there's going to come a time where we can do more of those ministry programs to grow to glow in our community. It's going to happen. I'm impatient, like I told you, but it will. The third thing that we do at Summit Church to glorify God, to model ministry, is we give. And people go, oh, here's the money thing. No, I'm not getting crazy on the money thing here. Okay? This is how it reads, what I said, to demonstrate faithful giving of ourselves and our resources. All right, Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians 9-7. I don't know why I'm missing part of it. 1st or 2nd Corinthians, <laughs> nine verses, chapter 9, verses 7. Teach, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, we give our tithe every Sunday, and that's good. That pays the electric bill, the internet bill. That pays for maintenance of the building. That pays for this. That pays for missions. You know, that's good. We need to do that. And we need to be generous with it. We need to be regular with it. We need to be generous with our finances. But we need to be generous with our time, too. Think in your mind really quick how much time you spent watching TV last week. Or playing the latest Candy Crush or whatever. Or just surfing Facebook. I spent way too much. I could have been doing more ministry work. Not that my whole life needs to do nothing but. Well, kind of does, but you guys get what I mean. It's good to relax, but we can go overboard in numbing our minds, too, and wasting our time. we got to give of our resources, too. Our abilities, our talents, what we can do. You know? You guys know that um, the church gets the snowplow for free because somebody has a snowplow and says, hey, i got it half hour I can come plow this up. That's helpful. That's a boon, you know. That's giving your resources, things like that. 
The goal of our church, the goal that I have for you guys, is to demonstrate, demonstrate this teaching and challenge you guys to model it as well. To be generous, to give finances, to give your time. You know, I tithe to the church just like you guys. You know, I don't take a salary. I pour into it financially. I pour into it with my time. And I want to show you guys to do that too. Because there will come a day, this isn't a precursor to what's happened soon, but there will come a day, someday, when me and Kim go off to do ministry at another church. There will come a day. And when that happens, I want you guys to be ready to take that on and take over some of those aspects of ministry and welcome your new pastor in to the, the smooth transition. Because if you're not ready for something like that, it can crush a church. It can destroy a church. And so you're going to have to learn how to give your resources and give your time. A fourth step in glorifying God and the way so much churches do it is to go. To extend the reach of the local body of believers, Summit Church, into the world. I'm leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. Well, it's a short-term mission, seven days. No, just kidding. You know, there, there might become a day where we're all going to get to maybe see about doing a short-term mission to go somewhere. I think that would be awesome to go with you guys somewhere crazy and eat like monkey meat in the African bush and like build a church. That would be cool. That'd be, don't you guys think that'd be fun? Come on. Deb's going, oh yeah, I'm down with that. Monkey meat's delicious. Give me the ketchup. All right? But that's something we're going to do. I mean, we're going to go out into the world and we're doing it already. I mean, I shared with you guys this financial stuff about our missions giving. That's part of it too. Mark 13.10 tells us, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. The gospel proclaimed to all nations. That's a big task. That's a hefty task. Some at church, not like I can say, okay, well, uh, Grace, you're going to Russia. Joram, you're going to China. John, you're going to Japan. You're doing Australia. Deb says you've got Africa covered. You know, like we can't do it that way. You know, now if you're called to missions and you think you're going to go to Africa, that's cool. I will support you on that. But us as a local body, we can do a part and be a part of it. And we stand behind missionaries and other ministries that go into the world. That's how we go. Because let's take, for instance, Margo and Alicia, because they just sent me a thing. You guys remember the twin sisters, right? Bubbly, fun, goofy girls. They came. They're close to heading off to Scotland here now. But the only way they're going to make it to Scotland is if they have X amount of partners say, hey, we're standing behind you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to give you a little bit financially. And all those drops in the bucket of all those different partners fill the bucket so that they can go on the jet plane until our generation next time, which is what, two years? Two years? That means that they go for two years and they come back for about a year. Anyways, we're doing a part in that. Margo and Alicia, you got to drop in their bucket because it's from a church. You know, the Brockmeyers. Remember the Brockmeyers, the guy from Russia with the jacked up hands? We're a part of that. You know, 
We're a part of a lot of different things. We go. We will actively support and encourage ministries around the globe by financially and prayerfully supporting missions. We will also raise the awareness of the importance of missions by engaging with missions. I got to tell you guys, one of the great visions I have, and our new presbyter, his name is um, Kevin Davis, and he's the pastor in Star Valley in Aetna. New Hope Fellowship, if you're ever, ever over there. He's like one of my bosses now, which is cool because he was like one of my teachers, and now he's one of my bosses. He's a cool guy. He has a small church like us, too. He's not a big, huge church. It's not like he's up there and you've got like the next Calvary Chapel going on there and Hillsong comes every other Sunday. No, he's just a little church like us. But he's a man of God, and he loves missions like we love missions. And his hope is to one day take his church on a mission. But when you're pulling from 20 people, not everybody's going to be down with going to Jamaica to build a coffee roasting factory or something like that to help the traffic people. You know, like some people just traveling like that might not be their thing, or they might have physical limitations that say it's not a good idea for them to go in the African bush without a doctor close by, or, you know, they might not be able to handle the heat, or they might not be able to. They might have a bad back or something like that. And that's cool, and I understand that. But when you have a missionary say, hey, we need somebody to come help build a cabin at this uh, kid's camp, we need you to be able to at least send 10 people. That's kind of how they say it. We need at least 10 people because if you send four, we're not going to have enough power to be lifting the beams or something like that. So they'll ask for a minimum and a maximum number of people normally. But if these small churches in our, in our area that don't have the kind of mass to do something like that, what if some at church could send two? What if Pastor Kevin could send three and Pinedale could send four? You know, pretty soon we got enough to go and do some work. And missions trips are neat. If you've never been on a global missions trip, they're neat. Who here has been on a global missions trip? Kim's been on one. Grace, me. You haven't been on one, Benita? Where she was always a she was a U.S. missions, so. But um, you know, a lot of people. Why are you going to fly all the way to Lithuania? Me and Kim did. When there's somebody there that can swing a hammer. That it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? You go because man, there's something powerful about people seeing you, and I didn't realize this till I went seeing you. Give up a week's vacation and travel 5,000 miles on your own dime to swing a hammer in Jesus' name. There's something that they just, they're surprised by it, aren't they, Kim? Aren't they, Grace? They're just surprised by it. But at the same time, there's something that goes inside of you when you do something like that. You become a part of those people. And you realize how important it is for their culture, for their people, to know Jesus like you know him. So we're going to be a church that does that. And what's interesting about this model is we have the central focus to glorify God. We're going to glow. We're going to grow. We're going to give. We're going to go. Kim, next part. They all work together. When we glow, we grow. When we glow, we have a better opportunity to go. When we give, they can go. When we give, 
they can grow. It, they work together in a central way to glorify God and to bring real people together and connect them with the real God. Because I'll tell you what, that God has done something inside of me that's, I'm a way different person than I was 18 years ago. And it's because of Him. It's not me. It's Him. I want people to taste that. Taste and see how good He is. I want Him to be glorified. I want to see lives change. I want to glow. I want to grow. I want to give. I want to go. And I know you guys want to meet Him. So let's pray.